Good morning. A warm welcome to everyone in the sanctuary this morning and to everyone watching online today or later in the week. I also extend a warm welcome back to the Reverend Gordon Matthew, who will be conducting the service this morning. <coughs> Gordon, it is great to have you back with us today. Some intimations for your attention. Gary would like to thank everyone who contributed to his presentation and to all who made the 25th anniversary of his induction such a happy occasion. Gary will return to duty on Tuesday evening. <coughs> Excuse me. Tickets for the Scots night on Tuesday are available today, priced at £5. There will be services in Eccles Court at 2pm and in Westerland's Care Home at 3pm on Wednesday. The final Advent study for this session will be held on Thursday at 7pm in the Park Church Hall. There will be a soup and sandwich lunch in the parish halls on Saturday from 12 noon to 1.30. Please come along and bring a friend. Those who plan to attend the Christmas lunch at the golf club on Tuesday 12 December are asked to pay the deposit today and the remaining balance by 10th of December. The Sacrament of Holy Communion will be celebrated during the service next Sunday, which will be the first Sunday in Advent. Elders on communion duty should note there will be a short rehearsal at 9.30am before the service next Sunday. And finally, there's a couple of announcements regarding trafficking outside. Drivers are politely asked not to park in the turning area outside the church. This needs to be kept clear in order for vehicles, including emergency vehicles, to be able to turn. And an additional one, we would also gently request that able-bodied drivers should, if possible, park further away from the church to allow less able members to use the spaces immediately outside the main entrance of the church. Your assistance with both of these requests would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to be with you at St. Ninian's again uh, this morning. And we're going to start this morning with a hymn that you actually used last Sunday, but it's a good hymn. And Gary didn't say don't use it, so we will after the call to worship. From the words of the psalmist, the righteous are glad <clears throat> and rejoice in God's presence. Sing to the Lord, sing praise to his name. Be glad in his presence. Be still for the presence of the Lord. Hymn 189.
Let us come together in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty and sovereign God, we join together to worship you. For yours is the hand that shaped the universe. Yours is the power that guides and controls the nations. Yours is the love that moves and works through all things. Yours is the purpose that has called us here, that has redeemed us from our sins and opened up the way to life that has been most wonderfully revealed in Jesus, your Son, in whom we are enabled to draw near into your holy presence. Living God, we pause in the midst of busy days to worship you. As the seasons turn, as days grow shorter and nights grow longer, we offer you our thanksgiving. We acknowledge you as Lord of our lives. But we confess also that our lives do not always suggest that we are doing your will. More often they are bounded by conditions of our own making about how far we will live out our faith. Forgive us for our lack of boldness. We confess that we do not always mirror your hopes of what your church will be. We do not accept difference or change easily, and more often only recognize each other's gifts when it suits us. Forgive us for our lack of openness. We confess that our world could be a much better place and that we could play our part in making it so, but more often we leave assumptions unchallenged and fail to see how we could make a difference. Forgive us for our lack of urgency. God, giver of life, we offer our lives back to you. Forgive us, change us and renew us so that we may truly work with you and for you. In the name of Jesus, in whose words, as he taught his first disciples, so we pray now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I watched most of the service last week, not, not all of it, on, on YouTube. Uh, but, you know, one of the, the parts that I particularly enjoyed was when the, the young people of the Sunday club put, put Gary on the spot. Goodness me, I'm glad I'm retired. And I don't have to face that kind of inquisition. That was very well done, I have to say. And I, uh, if I'd seen any of the Sunday club here, I would have uh, congratulated them. I'm not sure if that's the, the case or, or not. Uh, the visual aids are at the front of the communion table. Some of you won't be able to see them. A pair of good hearing ears. Are you hearing me all right, by the way? Yeah. 
Right. That's, I'm going to talk about hearing uh, this morning, or listening, and think of a, 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 a word from Jesus in the Gospels. He who has ears to hear, let him hear, Jesus said on more than one occasion. Uh, it begs the question, what else are ears for if, if not for, for hearing? But sometimes we don't hear aright, not because our um, ears are needing cleaned or, or because our hearing aid's not working, but we, we choose not to hear or something gets in the way. I've got some sound effects with, which I would have uh, let the children guess, and, and you will have no trouble in identifying number one sound effect this morning. I hope it comes on. Oh, there we are. Avon calling. <laughs> Obviously, it's a... Oh, here we are with the second one. No, back to the doorbell. Here's the second one now. What, what would that be, do you think? I'll give you a clue. Last week, Colin suggested that Gary did a lot of this at home. Hoovering during the week, havering on a Sunday. I thought that was very good. Here's the third sound effect. After the... Oh, that was it. A drum roll. Can you, can you do that, Tony, on the organ? If you wish you could. Well, yeah, just... Wow. <laughs> Here's the fourth sound effect. After the drum. Oh. Fair bit of fast flowing water there, isn't it? Ah, the kind of sound they don't want to hear up in Brecon for a long, long time. Right, here's the, here's the last. No, this is the second last sound effect coming up in a moment after the water. Telephone. Many, many of our phones nowadays have all kinds of uh, tunes attached to them. That's a kind of old-fashioned telephone. And last of all, oh, yeah. And last of all, now obviously that's bird song, but who amongst you can identify the particular bird? It's a blackie, that's right, very good. I don't know how you could tell, but there you are. The only bird that I could identify is a cuckoo. <laughs> he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Thank you very much at the desk for providing that. And one of the things that I would have wanted to say to the children and, and we want to explore together later is, how do we hear God? And uh, the, the, the chief answer to that is through his word. His word has been given to us in order that it having been given, we might hear it for ourselves, we might listen, we might put it into practice. But most of all, within his word, we learn best by finding out as much as we can about Jesus and learning from him, which is why we sing the next song as we do, I Heard the Voice of Jesus hymn number 540. Mm -hmm. 
Now, in a moment, I'll ask Margaret to come forward and read the scriptures for today, which are from the first book of Samuel in the Old Testament, chapter 3. Let me just say a wee bit by way of introduction. I wonder what message is replayed in your head uh, when you think back to the things your parents used to say to you when you were growing up. That may be a big ask for some of you to uh, remember, but I hastily move on to answer my own question. The immediate recollection I have is of my dad saying to me regularly at home, will you please stop slouching and sit up properly? And coming a close second, he would quite often say with some exasperation in his voice, are you listening to me? said in such a way as to suggest that he knew that I wasn't, because there is a difference between hearing and listening. Hearing, of course, is simply the act of perceiving sound by the ear. It's an involuntary thing. If you're hearing but not listening, it's a waste of time. This may explain a phrase which, as I said earlier, Jesus would sometimes use often after telling a particular parable, listen if you have ears to hear. He might have said, pay attention, listen up. Many a preacher might feel like saying the same thing when he looks out on a sleepy Sunday congregation. Not here, of course, at St. Ninian's. Listening is something that you consciously choose to do. It requires some concentration so that you can make sense of what you're hearing and properly connect with the person who's talking to you. We all know the phrase, selective hearing. When my father said what he did, he knew fine, as most parents do, that I jolly well was hearing him, but I wasn't listening to him. And that's a different matter. If I wanted to focus on a particular verse this morning from our scripture reading, which Mark is coming to read now, that would be uh, the words of Samuel at the end of verse 10 of our passage. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening or is ready to listen. As Mr. Matthew has said, the reading this morning is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 18, and can be found on page 227 of the Old Testament section of the Pew Bible. 1 Samuel, chapter 3. The boy Samuel was in the Lord's service under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rarely heard, and there was no outpouring of vision. One night, Eli, whose eyes were dim and his sight failing, was lying down in his usual place, while Samuel slept in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. was. Before the lamp of God had gone out, the Lord called him, and Samuel answered, Here I am, and ran to Eli, saying, You called me, here I am. No, I did not call you, said Eli. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. 
the Lord called Samuel again, and he got up and went to Eli. Here I am, he said. Surely you called me. I did not call you, my son, he answered. Lie down again. Samuel had not yet come to know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not been disclosed to him. When the Lord called him for the third time, he again went to Eli and said, Here I am, you did call me. Then Eli understood that it was the Lord calling the boy. He told Samuel to go and lie down and said, If someone calls once more, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and standing there called Samuel, Samuel, as before. Samuel answered, Speak, your servant is listening. The Lord said, Soon I shall do something in Israel which will ring in the ears of all who hear it. Then when that day comes, I shall make good every word from beginning to end that I have spoken against Eli and his family. You are to tell him that my judgment on his house will stand forever, because he knew of his son's blasphemies against God and did not restrain them. Therefore I have sworn to the family of Eli that their abuse of sacrifices and offerings will never be expiated. Samuel lay down till morning when he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, but he was afraid to tell Eli about the vision. Eli called Samuel. Samuel, my son, he said, and Samuel answered, Here I am. Eli asked, What did the Lord say to you? Do not hide it from me, God's curse upon you, if you conceal from me one word of all that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything, concealing nothing. Eli said, The Lord must do what is good in his eyes. Amen. Thanks, Margaret. Uh, We'll sing now hymn number 251, I, the Lord of Sea and Sky.
Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> At the beginning of, of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says in one of the translations that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. In the story of God's ancient people, this was a time when it seems that they just didn't expect God to have very much to say to them. Was this a sign of God's judgment because of the general corruption amongst the leadership of the nation? Or, or did people perhaps simply not want to have very much to do with God anyway? It's perhaps not very different today. Does God speak to men and women in our time? Maybe God is trying to get through to us, but we live in a materialistic age fixated on the things we have or want to have. It's often hard to see God's influence in how we go about our daily lives, the decisions we make, and the priorities to which we give our attention. I wonder sometimes if God judges us in our time by just allowing us the consequences of our indifference towards him. The good news of 1 Samuel is that such a situation was about to change back in the day. And if then, why not now? And is it possible that God might call on unlikely people such as you and me, just as he apparently used someone else very much on the periphery of things then, young Samuel? What we read this morning is a favorite story of many because there's a youngster at the center of it, namely the boy Samuel. It's sometimes told as if it's really meant for children, but there's rather more to it than that. To start with, I really don't know how most children would feel if they heard a strange voice calling them in the middle of the night. If it had happened to me when I was a youngster, I wouldn't have been able to speak a word. I would have bolted out of bed in sheer terror, run to my parents' room, crawled into bed between them, and refused to budge till morning. I'm really not at all sure how I would respond these days. Let's recap on this story as we find it. As a very young child, Samuel was taken by his mother, Hannah, to a place called Shiloh, which was special to those who worshipped the Lord. The leading priest of the time, an old man called Eli, lived and worked there, and Samuel became one of his assistants at, at the shrine. Eli wasn't Samuel's father, but brought him up to serve God within the precincts of the temple. And it looks like Eli was making a good job of looking after him, for in 1 Samuel 2, verse 26, we read that Samuel was blessed by God and popular with the people. Hannah, as the boy's mother, wanted to dedicate her son to God. No problem with that, but the way she chooses to do this probably seems excessive to our mind. The story goes, this is found in chapter 1, that Hannah more or less made a bargain with God. 
If you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And she followed through. She didn't hesitate in presenting her son to the temple, as she said she would. Hannah had been blessed with a child of her own after some years of wondering if this would ever happen, and she's grateful. Her attitude of gratitude is a positive response to the fact of God at work in her life. And in that sense, we can learn from her example. Christian people do have a particular responsibility, not just to seek the best for our children, all children, but to pray for them as they grow up. There are so many not good influences being brought to bear upon young lives today, which make childhood a confusing time. The future can seem like a scary place to some. If there are young people in our lives or our own or others close to us, then we owe it to them to commend them to God and to keep doing so. We may, however, today be rather less sure about how Hannah expresses her thankfulness for the gift of a son by, by sending him off at an early age to be looked after by old man Eli. He is indeed a priest of the Lord, actively serving in the temple, though somewhat past his prime. The motives of both Hannah and Eli may well be <clears throat> beyond reproach, but it's not a scenario with which we may feel entirely comfortable in the 21st century. There are far too many instances of abuse of children, even within the so-called care of the church or parachurch agencies. And sadly, we still hear of more up-to-date examples being brought before the courts. Child protection is an issue that we are all aware of now in the church. It can sometimes seem a little fussy. So far as possible, however, we must, we must not only do the right thing, but be seen to be doing the right thing in terms of how we work with the children in our midst. I flag this up now, although in the passing, because it's a problem that simply will not go away. But today's Old Testament narrative belongs to another time and another place altogether. And in fairness, there is no hint of anything amiss in the way in which old man Eli and the young boy Samuel relate to one another. But this wasn't a good period in Israelite history. Eli is not the spiritual leader that he once was, but he understood that even in the worst of times, God had not given up on his people, and he was at least able to encourage young Samuel when God tried to get through to him. Because it's Samuel who seems to hear God's voice, even though at first he wasn't at all sure. He was in the right place at the right time, sleeping next to the covenant box, the symbol of God's presence. But he was none the wiser what was going on when he was twice wakened up by someone apparently calling his name and quite understandably thought that it was Eli, perhaps in need of help. Eli understood that this was God's doing, 
Go and lie down, Samuel, he told the boy, and if this happens a third time, just stay put. You'll know it's not me, and you're to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And as before, Samuel heard his name called again. It may not have been a loud voice, but a strong feeling inside his head. Whatever it sounded like, however, it was so real to him that it was as if God was standing there in the room beside him. Samuel's willingness to obey Eli in the first instance might suggest a qualification for receiving God's word. It was a word he might have wished he had not heard, and it would test his strength of character there and then as well as in later years. What Samuel was told to say to Eli would not have been something that the old man wanted to hear. Of course, we shouldn't assume that if or when God speaks, it will always be good news. In this instance, for example, Eli had two grown-up sons who had lost the plot altogether and were not fit to succeed their old father in his work. Things might have been much worse if it hadn't been for Samuel, who it seems was a young boy with good hearing ears. He learned early that what he would have to say in God's name would not always be straightforward. Samuel's task, however, would be to deliver God's message without fear and to help reestablish God's rule in the nation. But let this be noticed. Before Samuel can speak to God, speak for God, he must listen to what God says. And that much is true for more than Samuel. There are more ways than we can imagine in which God may speak to us. But if we don't listen or show any signs of interest in hearing God speak to us, we will not hear him. The Bible suggests that God speaks to and through those who take time to listen. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, says Samuel. Now, all good Jews believed that God was the one who spoke the world into being. And they knew the stories of old of God speaking to more than a few key leaders. But many people in Eli's day, it seemed, had given up on the idea that God had anything to say to them. If we believe, as the Bible encourages us to believe, that God is always nudging people, trying to get through to men and women in all kinds of situations, how can we recognize him speaking to us in our time? We start with Jesus. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews in our New Testament talks about Jesus as God's definitive act of speech. Long ago, in many ways and at many times, God's prophets spoke to our ancestors. But now at last, God sent his son to bring his message to us. You and I are at a huge advantage over Samuel, because in the pages of Scripture, we have an unequaled insight into the mind of God. 
specifically as we encounter the person of Jesus whom the gospel describes as the Word made flesh. As we read about Jesus, as we hear what he has to say in Scripture, the more likely we can work out what he might be saying to us now. And as often as not, that happens through what we learn in church as the Word of God is taught and heard, as also through the prayers, the praise, and the worship we offer to God. Our response is to obey, for who are we but his servants? Excuse me till I clear my throat again. So to the text, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Your servant, says Samuel. Neither Eli nor Samuel would have thought of themselves in relation to God as anything other than his servant. They knew where they stood with God and had no thoughts about it being any different. Given what we know about God from the teaching of Jesus, we might quite legitimately prefer to speak of ourselves as God's children, since the New Testament describes him as our Heavenly Father. We remember also how Jesus himself says to his first followers, you are my friends if you keep on doing what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer. But that verse has to be balanced also with the words of Jesus after he washes his disciples' feet, where he says, I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you must do. I'm only pointing out the obvious. A servant is not ranked above his master. Don't get above yourself. So in our relationship to God, we take nothing for granted. If like Samuel, we're open to the God who speaks, then an attitude of reverence and awe is wholly appropriate. We don't relate to God as equals. He is the Lord. We are, to use the language of an old prayer book, his unworthy servants. We come boldly as we may and must in the name of Jesus to a God who knows us through and through, but we never forget with whom we are to do, which means being attentive as Samuel here. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Your servant is listening, or as the message puts it, is ready to listen. Partners in marriage, children and parents, doctors and patients, all of these relationships have listening at their heart. But listening generally is a learned skill, and good listeners are often in short supply. Sometimes we are so intent on what we have to say that we're not really listening to anyone else. Our mind is elsewhere. And perhaps it's no less true in terms of our relationship with God. Many of us are quite willing to say, speak, Lord, But the next moment, we're off checking our phone, making a cuppa, attending to something else that takes our attention. Behind Samuel's words, I believe, is a very real biblical truth, which put very simply is this. God speaks in one way or another, 
I'm not saying how to those who take time to listen. You may may notice that when you rearrange the letters of the word listen, you can get the word silent. Maybe that suggests one way forward. Perhaps we need from time to time at least to, to be honest with ourselves and with God and put our own agendas on hold to focus a little more quietly and deliberately on God and ask him to teach us both how to listen and how to respond to what we believe he may be trying to say to us. In the contemporary English version of today's text, Samuel's words are translated, I'm listening, what do you want me to do? And I like that because it suggests that what happens as a result of that listening is part and parcel of what listening is all about. A missionary translator was trying to find a word for obedience in the language of a tribe with whom he was working. Apparently, there was no word in their language that would do. One day, while he was walking through the village, the missionary realized that his dog had gone off on its own. He gave a loud whistle, and almost straight away, the dog appeared and ran to his side. A villager, looking on, said in the local tongue, "'Your dog is all ears.'" And at once the missionary knew he had found a word for obedience. The question is whether we are all ears when it comes to listening to God and doing what he wants. A feeling, a whisper, a prompt, a growing awareness. Is that something that we have sensed but ignored or put to the back of our mind? Could that be God's way of of getting through to us? Or are we imagining things? That is what we have to ask ourselves. That is what we have to consider as we entrust ourselves to God for the living of our lives. Let us pray. Lord, we ask you to speak to us in whatever way you choose and give us grace to listen to what you might have to say to us and to do do more than that, to learn how to put into practice that which you have to say to us. Give us open hearts and open ears an open mind to respond appropriately to your word to us today. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. The hymn number 702, Lord in love and perfect wisdom.
We join together in prayers for others. Let us pray. Lord of love and perfect wisdom, call us afresh, we pray, to a new understanding of your purposes, to a new awareness of your presence with us, to a new knowing of how best to serve you as your people in this place and time. Speak, Lord, we listen as best we can. Show us what you are asking of us. We plead for your world, O God. For your heart must break at what you see today, lands ravaged by war, torn apart by evil actions. We pray against dark intentions and hardened hearts. Lord, open hearts and minds to your light of love. We pray for hostilities to cease in Ukraine, between Israel and Gaza, and in all lands where unrest is rife. We pray for all civilians caught up in atrocities like the newborn babies brought safely out of Gaza. We pray, too, for the continuing release of all hostages. We pray for aid to be allowed through to reach more of those in need. Dear Lord, bring peace and restoration. We pray for all Christians affected by tension and violence because of their faith. We pray for Jews in this country who are being targeted because of the war between Israel and Gaza. Dear Lord, may your people be rooted in the safety of your love. We pray for governments the world over. Many speak promises, yet their actions are corrupted by greed and the lust for power. We pray for stability within our own government and the fulfillment of promises made. Keep our ears open to the cry of the poor and the oppressed, we pray. We remember before you, Lord, all whose voices are unheard, folk who feel neglected or unwanted. We pray for all who are suffering mental health issues and struggling to find help. We pray for the lonely, the sick, the abused. We pray for the National Health Service, for community nursing, and for all those whose condition deteriorates because of lengthy waiting lists. We pray for children in need of loving care and a safe place to call home. Help those in turmoil to find their way to you. Bring into their lives people who will walk with them through the dark times. Dear Lord, bring your healing to the broken and mend lives. We pray for churches throughout the land to abide by your word. Bring leaders to the forefront who will not waver from your truth and lead accordingly. We pray for your children 
who have lost their way, succumbing to worldly influence. Good shepherd, bring the lost sheep back to the fold. And in our homes and congregations, help us to listen to one another more attentively, to be sensitive to the various calls for us to share and to care for each other. Dear Lord, guide us on the right path. Help us match actions to words. Give us boldness to act. Pour out your mercy and grace, we pray. Not least upon those for whom we seek a blessing, as we name them in the silence of our hearts. Hear these are prayers, both spoken and unspoken, in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our prayers for others are, are always and inevitably for people who are, we are concerned about or a situation in our world that we really cannot begin to understand. On the cusp of Advent, we're remembering the coming of the light into the darkness of our world. And so, appropriately, we sing in our last hymn, Longing for Light, We Wait in Darkness. 543.
Look forward in hope to the coming of your Savior. Prepare the way for Christ your Lord. Welcome him with love and faith when he comes in glory. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you this day and always. Oh. <clears throat>